Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is a Lip Media Podcast. We acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we are recording. We pay our respects to the elders past and present and the Aboriginal elders of other communities who may be listening today. Welcome to The Gays Revolting, a definitive weekly news source for contemporary gays. We put the G in LGBTQIA+, and we're here to help you be the best G you can be. You can follow us on Instagram at Gays Revolting Pod, or join our Facebook group at The Gays Are Revolting. And if you'd like to support the podcast and listen to our after shows, head over to patreon.com slash gaysrevoltingpod for a heap of extra content. Uh, welcome to the show. We have our three regular hosts and a special guest. Uh, I am the reincarnation of Keeping Up Appearances' John Inman, and my name's Thomas Jaspers. <laughs> <laughs> and I love every Jennifer Lopez movie unconditionally. I'm Kyle. <laughs> oh, made, in, uh, made in Manhattan? Even that. <laughs> oh That's the best one. Yeah, yeah I know, absolutely. right? It's so good. And I'm the sexiest member of the FBI's most wanted list. Luke. <laughs> and we're joined by a very special guest, uh, Thomas. Thomas, do you want to read yourself? Yeah, uh, I just came up with this off the top of my head. The love child of Shirley MacLaine and an actual Ibis, Thomas Wilson. <laughs> Hello, Thomas. How are you? I'm good. We're well, so excited yeah. to be joined by you. You're a wonderful filmmaker. Thank you. We'll do more yeah. of your CV in a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yes, but first of all, how's everyone's weeks been? Yeah, pretty yeah. good. I think still recovering from the weekend. Yeah, we got fucked Same. up, didn't we? A little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Love that for you. Kyle yeah. and I went to... Uh, Joel Creasy's birthday and we got very messed up. Am I allowed to tell them what happened to you what? with DTs? Yeah, I just got very drunk and don't remember a lot of DTs. <laughs> <laughs> we had to, uh, he wouldn't drink water, so we had to ask the bar to make a drink that looked like water. <laughs> no, it looked bartender. like drink, you mean Sorry, it looked like alcohol. It looked like alcohol, but it was actually water. So the bartender was like, oh no, I know what I'm doing. And he got like lime and, ice and like grenadine and put it all oh in. It was a big cocktail for yeah. me. Yeah. And yeah. then apparently it? I made a big show of like sculling it, like I'm really hardcore. Yeah. <laughs> there was no alcohol. And then there was like 60 people at the party and then we all yeah. went out. We went to DTs, then mm-hmm. went to Poofdorf. Yes. And of the 60 people, even though I had a broken leg, I was the last person standing. So I surprised. stayed out till Monday morning. <laughs> You're a crazy person, Tom. I know, I'm yeah. fucked up. And it's, it's Tuesday today for our listeners. Yes. Yeah, so if I Sorry. start crying in this episode, you know why. <laughs> I'm also recovering. I bought my first thousand piece puzzle. Oh, oh wow. Gosh, you are wild. I know. an 80 year old person. I, I picked a Van Gogh painting. Okay. So it's actually the Van most Gogh. infuriating thing I've ever committed to. Have you ever seen this? Well, my parents do this, and I think they, they're they just trying to ruin their own relationship. <laughs> they do like puzzles that are just all like blue. I saw that recently on social media. It yeah. was like a thousand piece puzzle, and it was all just black. One pieces. color. I was yeah, like, are yeah. Are you kidding me? Oh, that sounds <laughs> great. Also, yeah. what do you do with it afterwards? Just get a divorce. <laughs> Can't get yeah. And um, what I like to do when I go and visit mum and dad is every now and then I'll go into the games cupboard and just take one piece of the puzzle <laughs> out of the box and You're take it home monster. with me and then wait there's, till they're doing it. <laughs> there's a special place in hell for you. Yeah. I've been at Miff all week. The Melbourne International Film yes. Festival. You're so cultured, Tom. Well, good on you. Culture. Thank you so much. I've seen lots of European films <laughs> and uh, have more or less been drunk for like two weeks straight, which is <laughs> amazing. Uh, <laughs> pretty <laughs> fucked up, actually. Like, nice. amazing. Mm-hmm. And what, what's your highlight from the film festival um, that you were not involved in the production of the film? I saw, oh, there's a Ukrainian queer film called mm-hmm. And Then We Danced about mm-hmm. two like Georgian dancers who fall in love. It was super hot and beautiful. Gorgeous. Oh. But also, I mean, spoiler alert, they don't end up together, which is one of my pet peeves, but we can talk about that later. Oh, it's so <laughs> common in queer cinema, though. And our lives, apparently. Yeah, so there you go. Yes. absolutely. Yes. You never get the boy. Um, so, but Miff has been amazing this year. Great. It's been yeah. cool.
So as we said, we're so excited to be joined by Thomas Wilson White. You're an award-winning film director, screenwriter, and script editor. Um, so you're visiting us from Sydney for a screening mm -hmm. of your film St. Augustine at the Melbourne International Film Festival. Yes. St. Augustine is a short proof of concept that I made for the second feature film that I want to make mm -hmm. soon. And it's like a sea thriller about two men who go away together and the protagonist becomes aware of maybe a third person yeah. in their relationship. Now, mm -hmm. yeah, for for us uncultured queens, yes. a uh, proof of concept so film is sort film of like a, is it's actually, almost no. a preview. <laughs> <laughs> I know I'm familiar with film. I have, I have Pornhub. Um, no, but a, a proof of concept is sort of like you're yeah. making a little sample of the film so Correct. you can shop it around yeah. and then create yeah. a, a full length. Yeah, it feature. was sort of we we made it as a process tool. To I wrote the feature film and went, this is shit. It's yeah. not what I wanted okay. to be. So then wrote a short film that kind of had the themes and the characters mm -hmm. and went to my producer. Let's go away and, and test this out and see if it works. Mm -hmm. Works, and obviously it has, which was lovely, mm. and, and is now helping me get traction for the feature yeah. film. That's fantastic. Awesome. Yeah. Have you ever considered adding maybe three podcasters? Because <laughs> <laughs> we're that. very available. Yeah, like, <laughs> except, except for Tuesday nights, we're very available. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just going to wait for Mikey to come back, actually. Oh, yeah, uh, no, yeah. Fair he's my yes. favourite. Yeah, he is the heartthrob. <laughs> <laughs> he's our favourite, <laughs> yeah, we miss him. No, for a second there, I actually forgot. I was just like, which one's <laughs> It's me. Yeah. Yes, yeah. you're the new one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now, we got yes. treated to, to seeing you. Yeah. Oh, did you watch your last night? Yes, yeah. we did. Yeah, yeah it's cool. fantastic. Okay. Um, now, Great. it explores uh, the ways modern queer men are still burdened with toxic masculine ideas, uh, which mm -hmm. is something we've talked about a lot on this podcast. Mm. And it's also something you've uh, previously said that you struggle with in your own life. Mm -hmm. uh, how do you think queer men overcome that sort of pressure to be mask? Good question. I think the definition of queerness, I think, is to kind of like tilt everything a little bit and kind of look at things from a new mm -hmm. angle. Yeah. And I find as a queer man... I think I just assumed that I was like, fine. I was mm. like, yeah, I came out. I'm like proudly gay. I do, you know, anal. So, you know, you're sort of like... <laughs> Me too. I'm, what oh a queen. I love that about all four of us. Uh, no, you're definitely like, you think you're across it. And then I think it was when I started having relationships with men, like uh, long-term stuff, yeah. I started realizing there was some intimacy issues and problems with me in terms of like these roadblocks I would keep hitting. Mm -hmm. And it all came back to this idea of masculinity. And, and I don't know, I guess, I guess I just struggled to reconcile that in myself. Mm. I think a lot of us do. I think my, some of my favorite parts, what I've realized is some of my favorite parts of myself are more traditionally feminine mm -hmm. elements. Mm -hmm. And then other favorite parts are traditionally masculine parts. Mm. And I think we all walk that Mm. That narrow path, Tightrope, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. totally. It's cool getting to talk to you about it because often when you see, especially more artistic films, as opposed to yeah. you know your, your, your Hollywood comedies, Pornhub. Which, where you, well, or Pornhub. <laughs> you could just there say you know what the film's about. There's no <laughs> yeah. underlying tones, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of cool to be able to sit here and ask you questions. When I watched yeah, it personally, yeah, yeah, one yeah. thing that stood out for me there was obviously the element of the toxic masculinity and that mm. sort of stuff. But I was watching it and I got the, a big sense because in the in the short film, it's two guys away for the weekend mm -hmm. of uh, what Both seems like a romantic, beautiful guys. Oh my gosh. Tick. what seems to be sort of you know a romantic getaway for mm. them mm. and the sense that I got because there's not a lot of dialogue in the film yeah. so a lot of it's sort of interpreted yeah. by the viewer yeah. um, one thing that I really took from it is that in inability a lot of gay men and certainly myself and a, and a lot of mm. people I've, I've spoken with to live in the moment mm, of happiness totally. and enjoy something I feel like a lot of the time when we're having these beautiful weekends away or or even just a hookup or whatever, I can't sit there and enjoy it for what it is because I'm constantly aware yeah. that it's got to end and I have to go back to mainstream Ooh. environments and yeah. I don't get to walk down the street holding hands with this person. Yeah. Is that something you intentionally put in there or am massively, I reading? Massively. Yeah? And cool. I think uh, I usually write very dialogue-heavy work and this right. is okay. the first time I've gone... Uh, I think because uh, one of the huge attributes of toxic masculinity is like an inability to articulate. Mm -hmm. And I really thought I'm going oh, to yeah. quite literally mm. make a film where the man, the protagonist can't say what the fuck it is that yeah. he's struggling with. And I think that kind of has allowed audience members to interpret what they want out of the film, which is amazing. Because I think mm. what you end up doing is mm. you kind of end up projecting into the characters mm. and saying, yeah. well, I think uh, somebody watched it and read that he'd lost his twin brother. Uh, somebody else right. thought his mum had oh, died. Right. Of course, yeah. All these elements yeah. that I actually put in the film as mm. well. And I think for me, it was just really important that I didn't prescribe too much because mm. I think when something gets prescriptive, uh, a wider audience can kind of mm. go, well, I haven't necessarily experienced yeah. that trauma, so I'm going to yeah. stop. 
I'm going to drop out. Yeah, I'm I don't stop connecting. Yeah, yeah. And to be perfectly frank, like it's stuff that I have not dealt with fully in myself. Mm-hmm. And I thought this is so amorphous and sort of fluid mm-hmm. and I don't know, kind of scary for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just want to kind of present the story and say, help me, mm-hmm. um, help me unpack it. You yeah, know? yeah. And sometimes when you're making something, you don't fully have a grasp on the idea until it's like finished and talking to a lot of mm. people that are screenwriters and, and directors. Sometimes it's not until the audience starts talking back to them that mm. you realize, mm. oh, that's what mm. that was. That, that is what that yeah. thing yeah. is about. Yeah, and, yeah, absolutely. And, and I guess all art is really a way for the creator to explore things that they're trying to work out. To absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. absolutely. I think the best art is always going to be hopefully an open-ended conversation. Yeah. Mm. You don't want to be didactic mm-hmm. and you don't want to force an audience to like, this is what I believe and I am yeah. right. Yeah. Because you just shut off. Like, yeah, when have we ever listened to if somebody? Directors and stuff like really want you to get that specific thing and if mm. they'd be offended if you like had kind of no idea if you thought it was something else. So yeah. It's really I, I mean, it to... depends on the director, I think. Yeah. I think David Lynch, who's, uh, I'm a big fan of David Lynch, mm. and he sort of says, say, yeah. yeah, and he sort of says, I don't know what the answer is. I put mm. it all there and yeah. you decide. And, and I think in that way, you're inviting your audience mm. to really interact mm. on an individual level with your work. And hopefully it sticks in their brain a little yeah. bit longer mm. because of that. Because yeah. I used to have Mulholland Drive is one of my, oh my favorite God, my films fave. of all time. And yeah. when that came out, I remember going on message boards because we didn't really have a Reddit and mm. stuff back then. Mm. And like reading officially what this yeah, film yeah. is about. And the DVD had like a case that had David Lynch's mm. 12 clues mm-hmm. to like unraveling the mystery and they were just random things like watch the position of the blue key like things that yeah. actually made it more confusing <laughs> than what the plot line was but then when you watch interviews with David Lynch himself he's like it's kind of up to you and if I told mm. you what it was it would mm. kind of wreck it yeah. or yeah. like it would take away Defeats the possibility the point, yeah. of it being something else mm. so very yeah. similar to um, Sex in the City 2. <laughs> yeah. I think also very deep, deep and undertoned. Yeah. I think he was signed on to that originally. Right. Yeah, he's going to work on that, yeah. Scheduling sure. conflicts he had to, to pull out. <laughs> now, you've done your master's in queer theory yes. and cinema. We're going to talk a bit about queer cinema in general later. Uh, the episode. later mm-hmm. So stay tuned for that. Mm. Now, part of the VCA screenwriting course was to date me. Mm. For at least a year, <laughs> yeah. Get fucked up. Like, they're oh very, like it's a world that I was ingrained in for a little bit. So um, I've watched a lot of people write scripts and yeah. work on screenplays. When you're writing something or working on a script, especially taking into consideration identifying as queer, mm. for me there are certain things that are always stay away from that, mm. or like mm. things that are no buenos for you when it comes to Mm. representation yeah i think i i was raised i've got two mums so i was raised in like a kind of alternative family and Mm. for queer siblings as well Mm -hmm. so got a big gay family unit that is so um, cool (laughs) it's great uh so the plebiscite meant a lot to us um but i also i found in my the last couple of years i've been really keen to explore alternative family dynamics Mm -hmm. and making sure that we are representing families that are different to the normal sort of family drama there's kind of this like self-fulfilling prophecy in cinema as well where like we all die or we end up unhappy Mm. or we lose the love interest or it's a tragedy that's kind of why I kind of didn't come out as a queer filmmaker for a while because I was like, but that means I just have to make sad make movies. That film. Yeah, yeah. It really like boxes. Which you is in. really an exciting. There's an exciting gap in the market actually of like not like Love Simon, which made me want to hit myself with a brick, <laughs> but films that have a positive uh, totally. ending, mm. queer yeah. joy, queer celebration, like a bit more complex representation mm. of queer lives, you know, mm. without it ever being necessarily about sexuality. Yeah. Um, mm. That's kind of that's kind of the work that I want to make. Yeah, there even character tropes mm. and things. What yeah. like watching some of my exes write, I'd be like, oh, you can't put that character. <laughs> totally. in. You know, there's always there's always a Tom. Oh, fuck <laughs> <off>. <laughs> you want to have me around? <laughs> well, uh, well yeah, yeah. you know, in Quiz Cinema, you know that mm. character, you know that yeah. character, you know that character, and sometimes my ex would write, and I'd be like, oh, please. 
you were doing so well. Why did you go down? Yeah. Oh, every yeah. story needs with... a top. Yeah, yeah, I know. That's why we have a top. Yeah. <laughs> so are there any yeah tropes or characters that you just absolutely yeah. like? I'm I mean, to be honest, like path. I don't write Yas Queen ever mm. into my dialogue. Like That's I try good. I try and avoid <laughs> I writing. I wish Luke would stop putting it into our dialogue. <laughs> 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 probably... He spends like an hour editing it out and me oh, clicking dude, over Now that everything. I've said that, I'm probably going to say it oh, tonight yeah. like a hundred times. I try and avoid writing um, overtly flamboyant male, mm-hmm. white male gay characters. Mm-hmm. I think the other thing is that trans and non-binary characters can often be kind of relegated to the peripheries mm-hmm. and almost used as a plot device or, or something grossy yeah. like that. And I think I'm trying to really make sure that I am avoiding writing characters I don't know, that, that are peripheral or die in a really gruesome mm. way. Like, the other trope that I actually hate now that we're talking about it is, like, serial killers who are also, like, bi or gay. Like, oh, right. before they go and shoot up a school, they have sex in a shower with their brother or some shit, right. which is what yeah. I've seen a few times. Yeah. And I'm like, I mean, Silence of the Lambs did it. Mm-hmm. Elephant? Like, yes. You know what I mean? Elephant? Yeah, Was that's that exactly what I, Yeah, yeah. And, um, like, I think it's this old trope of, like, the lesbian killer or the gay yeah, yeah. guy who mm. is also kind of a deviant and mm. also wants to wear your face and murder you. It's like, I want to avoid that mm. d- desperately. I want to wear your ass and marry you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad someone said it. <laughs> they did also make Freddy Krueger gay what? in the second... The second Nightmare Freddy Krueger. The second no. Nightmare on Elm Street film. The worst handjob giver ever. It's <laughs> a gay film. Oh, well, how, boy, what happens? He's basically... Freddy is trying to possess the body of like no. a hunky 80s frat boy. Oh, don't we all? And half the film is set in like the school showers and the locker room and the coach has Did some you watch this on Pornhub? Whipping fetish. Yeah. It's a gay film. It's, it? it's a gay film. Freddy's the one with like... They're like, the scissor hands and he's like yeah. the bonus victim. Fedora, you know, it's all too scary for it's, me. It's the fedora yeah. is the scariest part for me. Yeah, that's Freddy. The, the horizontal stripes jumper. No, not doing it. Yeah. Um, oh, Thomas, great. I saw that you're also working on a musical. Yes, number. No, number. <laughs> you're, you're I love it. The right baby dragon. Sing a little yeah, yeah, yeah. now. No, sorry, musical feature. Um, can you tell yes. us about the premise of that? I I actually don't technically know what I can speak oh, about that, okay. which is super Ooh. sexy. And cool. Ooh, how exciting! Um, it is about Rocker Steadfords. Oh. Okay, and it possibly oh stars somebody we were speaking about before, mm-hmm. who your boyfriend hates. So for those in the audience, I don't know. It's her name rhymes with Shmoni Schmalet. That's really cool. Yeah. But it's going to be very cool. It's sort of like. In my head, there's like a really serious moody gay guy. And then the Mm. other half of my brain is like a 15-year-old girl who is doing high kicks. So, I get to exercise that part of my brain. so fucking funny, though. Mm. It is. And it's underexplored in cinema. Literally amazing. The hours I spent on that at school. (laughs) Do they have it internationally? Like, should we explain it? I I have no idea what it is. Okay, so (laughs) Rockerstead. Oh, yeah, you went to school in South Africa. So, yeah, Rockerstead is... uh, Your school puts together a giant number that goes <laughs> oh. for about 10 minutes. I eight, think it's usually minutes. a mashup of songs okay. with costumes and sets and dances and that sort of stuff. I think different states might even have different names for it. And then you go to like Rod Laver Arena. It's massive. Oh, what? Yeah. And <laughs> the, they sell t- tickets to all the, the parents and stuff. So it's like schools school. versus schools. Yeah, schools but, versus but, schools. But and the, the hook the is that it's funded by Quit for Life. So it had to have like this political anti-drugs oh, message. Oh, I don't remember the message. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah so it's stick. like you've got a, you've got a, so it's 15 year olds ostensibly going refugees let's do something about that and then oh. dressing up as refugees yeah, and dancing it. for eight minutes and it's on tv don't, don't they the winners are broadcast nationally yeah because yeah. i saw one yeah. about land rights right I remember oh, one about like Marbo. all of them it's, yeah. it's ours was called friday at flinders street station i can't really remember the political message <laughs> oh my behind God, it, love but that. sure <laughs> sounds like a movie of rebel wilson <laughs> <laughs> yeah i played rebel wilson yeah <laughs> the, the talentless uh, annoying person oh um <laughs> oh you're still playing her i love that <laughs> Oh, oh my God, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Thomas is never coming back on this podcast. Oh, oh. <laughs> he's <Sorry>. spicy. <laughs> uh, now, you've also worked with Heaps Gay, who we love, yes, uh, and we the love City him. of Sydney on a series of documentary shorts called Voice Recordings, aimed at exploring philosophy and spirituality from the queer perspective. Is the intersection of sexuality and spirituality something that you're passionate mm. about exploring? Absolutely. And also, like, does that come from life experience? It does. So, I think, as I said before, I was raised by two women, yeah. uh, and last year I nursed one of my mums in her late stage leukemia battle oh, sorry to hear that. um thank you
thank you. And she passed away in December. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was really profound for me, I think, uh, observing medically the intersection of end of life as well with uh, a lesbian identifying woman mm-hmm. who was my mum. And I learned a lot about sort of the gaps in what we are documenting mm-hmm. uh, in terms of queer culture. Like, yeah. I think we talk a lot about plebiscite, Mardi Gras, marriage equality, mm-hmm. these really charged political spaces, but we don't often get to talk about just our spiritual beliefs or mm-hmm. like yeah. philosophically what we think happens after you die. Mm-hmm. And I spent mm-hmm. a lot of time with her talking about that, which was obviously something that came up all the time. And I think it just became a fascinating subject for me. Mm-hmm. In hindsight, I think I went, I moved home to look after her because I, I really needed a ritual around mm-hmm. the end of her life and, mm-hmm. and saying goodbye to her. And I think in our in Western culture, we don't really have yeah. rituals around death. So that became something that I think has now absorbed me fully. And, mm. and I'm, I'm making a, a much larger doco series about the same thing now sure. too. Yeah. And, and was your childhood a spiritual childhood or is that something that sort of yeah. came to your mum's life later? We were Hillsong. So right. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Oh. Before, I know. So before Gosh, my mum came a lot of out. <laughs> oh, mate, I know, literally. Um, before mum came out, we were Hillsong and my dad mm. is still quite, like yeah, insanely involved. overtly religious wow. he's a no voter uh-huh. yeah. uh, we still love him but yeah so I think we were raised spiritual and then obviously you come out and you're mm-hmm. like aggressively excluded from organized religion but uh, ergo like spirituality mm-hmm. so I think I have always felt myself to be a spiritual person but like deeply hate Christianity and, mm-hmm. and like and get like tight chested and hyperventilate yeah. when people talk to me about God right yeah you know? so yeah. I'm sorry sorry no, no keep going. so I guess what I'm trying to do is go like where do I sit as a queer man yeah. in that landscape yeah. and mm. just out of my own just if you don't mind talking about it a bit more mm. um, your aversion to Christianity does that yeah. sort of spread to all organized religion or no no not at all right. I think I think literally Hillsong Hill yeah, yeah, yeah right. like okay. um, Pentecostal sort do of you identify with any specific religion then no no, no. just more spiritual person yeah 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 and yeah. your mum both mums were yeah they were yeah. they were atheists basically mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. i think my now surviving mum had we've had a lot of profound conversation about it since mm-hmm. you know what happened in that in that like brief window towards the end of my mum polly's life you know what we all felt and what yeah. and and, that, and those discoveries you know with her along the way it mm. was quite moving and challenging mm. and i think once the door opened it was like open again for me and i was yeah. like and and I don't know if that's just a selfish need to feel closure and peace for her or something, but it is mm-hmm. fascinating to me that I can't look around and see any queer yeah. people. You're right. It's definitely something that's not really explored God. in our community. Yeah, yeah. yeah. absolutely. Yeah. but it's been amazing. Like I'm working with Acon, the queer health organisation, mm-hmm. to find the subjects for the next series, and they have queer Muslim leaders. Mm-hmm. You know that I can wow. talk to, and I, I'm like throw it all at me like I want to talk to as many people as I can yeah. about this and see what we are all believing mm-hmm. I'd love That's to talk about the afterlife on this show oh my gosh <laughs> <laughs> the <topic. After-life. laughs> right. I thought you were talking about Akon the rapper oh my god oh my god, god dude this happened yes my ears broke I'm like I know Akon yeah no I <laughs> went along with it and yeah. I was like he's like a queer advocate now and this person I was talking to because I was just kind of really bored so I thought I'd just yeah. kind of make fun of them let them do it yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah so the good news is Thomas is also sticking around for the whole show you do not know what you are (laughs) for Um, so thank you for having a chat to us about your film is that screening it's screening literally tonight at 9pm so I'm Ubering from here to there wow Uh, but it will be on other screens somewhere uh, in the future Mm -hmm. around Australia hopefully on Vimeo at some point on Vimeo so if people Google they'll be able to Correct. view it thanks so much also for sharing your family story with us as thank well you. Thank very you grateful for that it's beautiful thank you there's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care plush care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe fda approved weight loss medications like wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello 
Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Now, I thought since we have a director on the show this mm-hmm. week, it would be a good time to discuss more broadly our thoughts about queer cinema. A, a quote that I, I saw recently that really started the gears going was, I think it was Todd Todd Haynes, Mm. the director, had posed the question, what exactly is queer cinema? Mm. And it is something that bugged me ever since a kid. I don't know if you guys remember Borders, the, like... Bookstore? The bookstore. Okay. Oh, yeah. 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 And I used to go there as a teenager, and this bookstore would also sell music and films, and they would have a gay-slash-queer section. And I'd go in there and be like, some of the stuff is in here just because it's made by a queer person. Yeah, right. Or like, this isn't queer music. Mm. This is a folk album. Why does it have to be in the queer section? Mm. And so I thought, there is this kind of weird, loose definition of what queer makes film is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. queer film queer films, because I don't necessarily think it should be solely defined by the fact that potentially there's a homosexual character yeah. in the film. Yeah. The I always thought queer film by. was defined that it would have to be depressing to watch. <laughs> oh my God, well that was said. my interpretation yeah, of totally. it. It is kind of why I've always commonly steered, yeah, steered clear of it yeah. a lot. Only mm. in my recent years, I would say, I've kind of started to like try and watch some things. And the help I of Tom. Yeah, DVDs literally. On your birthday, Tom, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Got some DVDs. But um, yeah, it's definitely something I've never had much of an interest in because I've always thought that's the more depressing side of being gay yeah. and I didn't don't want to feel sad. <laughs> I want to yeah. feel happy about it. So, yeah. yeah I think there's a fascinating thing thing that we all did growing up which is like you learn to project yourself mm. and your wants and needs and desires into like sarah jessica parker <laughs> and be like okay with specifically, that. specifically <laughs> her. and only her yeah. um, and i think it's it's interesting to me because i avoided queer cinema and also just mm. had no access to it like i was yeah, in that's such true like well. yeah. i was in like lockdown in this christian household for mm. a very long time it was like the film room actually like i'm kidding uh, and so <laughs> there's there's this period of my life where i wasn't i ident- identifying as a queer filmmaker because i hadn't seen enough of it and i didn't feel like i belonged mm. there but then once i started watching a lot of queer cinema and work made by queer directors and stuff I was like oh my god there's things on screen that I Mm. deep like I resonated with me in a way that nothing else had before and I realized that I kind of been like suspending my disbelief into a usually a a straight white woman Mm -hmm. to survive and to get my kicks you know I Mm. think why film is so important to me and quiz in particular is because being a bit introverted Films are a real source of escapism. Mm. It's also quite aspirational in a lot of ways too. And films also taught me about the world mm. outside of me because yeah. I was so introverted. I spent a lot of time in my in my head. Mm. So my struggles with queer cinema was the fact that mm. there were so many depressing or mm. doom and gloom stories because I was trying to seek out some world view or some yeah. some semblance of where my life was going to go and what I could aspire to through these characters and films. And we mentioned Love, Simon, mm. which is, I think, the classic Catch-22 mm. or whatever, where you do actually get, I'm assuming, I'm not going to go see that film, <laughs> uh, quite an aspirational, positive gay love yeah, story. Correct. But it's like, I am never going to watch that film. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. You know, um, so it's this weird, like, love-hate relationship mm. I have where mm. I love my own private Idaho. Mm. I love Weekend, yeah. Lilting. But when I think about it, they're all films where the characters end up <laughs> Super <depressing>. alone. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. The thing I want from queer cinema is I, I do think it should represent or give some idea for mm. what life is actually going to be like. Yeah, for, yeah. For some real realistic. Yeah. yeah. But also, don't you think mm. like a lot of queer cinema, like all the really famous stuff, is quite old and it's a very different representation of what being queer at the time was. So it was yeah, very hard and depressing at the time. Mm. So mm. I definitely like to see some more happy things and like more positive mm. current day stuff mm. that mm. are more uplifting. Yeah, I'm kind of yeah. embarrassed to have you on while we talk about this topic, Tom, because my <laughs> yeah. knowledge of queer cinema is fairly mainstream. Yep. I love like Party Monster, great, um, love that Hedwig and the Angry Inch, and probably my favorite. Well. 
obviously it's Priscilla, but I think that's pretty mainstream. <laughs> but one of my favourite Australian queer cinema pieces mm-hmm. is The Sum of Us, mm-hmm. uh, the Australian movie with Russell Crowe and Jack Thompson, mm-hmm. which is based on the play, which I actually really want to get redone and I would love to be in it if anyone wants to produce oh, yeah. that. <laughs> um, but what I do know about it uh, and what I love about queer cinema is um, it doesn't really have to follow the same conventions that mainstream cinema mm. does follow. And I think that's like we've talked a lot before about how our relationships and our lifestyles, in a way, we're kind of, it's the silver lining of our of being a queer person is that our lives aren't laid out in front of us mm. and that means our relationships aren't laid out in front of us and then the storylines of our movies or the way that our movies are made are also quite experimental and different yeah. and, and can have storylines where you don't know what the ending's going to be and so, yes, sometimes mm. that means that they are <laughs> depressing and end with yeah. people, you know, yeah. dying of HIV as a lot mm-hmm. of, of the older films have had or, or ending up lonely or whatever but it is a very different <laughs> Why did you look at me? <laughs> <laughs> I, I can say that. You know what I mean? It, it, yeah. it is... Um, kind of exciting I agree you know, I, think, to- I think for me like I want options like, yeah. and I feel like it's quite exciting to be mm. alive in a time where I can say that mm-hmm. I want to I want variety in yeah. all sorts of stories and all sorts of people on screen and and so for, I mean Love, Simon killed me in a way because mm-hmm. I think it was trying to fit like a square into a circle and it's yeah, like well we, we don't have Jennifer Garner and Do- Josh Duhamel as our parents and yeah. we don't <laughs> have like a best I mean because obviously I'd be incest if Josh Duhamel oh, was my God. father <laughs> but I feel like yeah. you no, know, agree. <laughs> Sorry, like I, I wasn't I was like, judging. You, I was agree. <laughs> yeah, but I feel I feel like that that you can't actually take that sort of like rom com coming of age high school yeah. uh, formula and make it queer authentically. Mm. I feel like mm. a lot of people maybe watched that and was like cute, but I think it was actually straight facing. To mm, be yeah, honest, okay. I think that film was facing out to all of our dads and mums who don't understand our sure. life. Yeah. who were like it was beautiful. Mm. But okay, I, but to, to play devil's mm. advocate then, mm. and I'm not saying this is what I think, yeah, yeah. but just hearing you mm-hmm. say that, is there sort of something important about those films being made? Mm. And if it is educating people in the mainstream, and if it yeah. is the only way of reaching them, yeah. whilst we don't yeah. have to enjoy it, yeah. is it sort of important? Absolutely, and I, I absolutely I agree. But I I also would. Argue argue that if it feels inauthentic to mm. an actual queer audience okay. yeah then, then we can't call it then it's, cinema. well yeah or yeah. you can just go i understand why you don't want to see it luke yeah. you know mm. like it's kind of like it's sort of the will and grace of yeah of oh, love will and grace. <laughs> it's fantastic <laughs> you wouldn't say it's an edgy kind of no, gritty, no. realistic but arguably did a lot for the queer yeah. movement in the early yeah. 2000s just mm. ha- uh, yeah. just yeah. to have Being that on prime presence, time yeah. is insane which always goes you back know? to the same argument mm-hmm. that i made like several different times yeah. about john inman on are being served being very important to be visible in a time when there was yeah. no visible. I agree. <laughs> what you said about structure I think is really important. Like, mm. Love, Simon doesn't classify as a queer film to me because mm. it sticks to some conventions. Yeah. Like, that should yeah. just be in the family drama mm. section yeah. of yeah. the imaginary mm-hmm. borders in my mind. But if you think about John Waters and the films oh, yes. that he yeah. would make, not a lot of them were explicitly focusing on gay themes or like... Mm. Yeah. But all of them are under the umbrella of queer cinema yeah. because they broke rules. Mm. They were films for outsiders. Mm-hmm. And that, to me, I think is the essence of queer cinema, yeah. especially yeah. from that time yeah. period specifically. Mm. But Myth is such a great time of year mm. to actually see what current queer filmmakers are doing, doing yeah, and making. And you don't often get the opportunity to see these films because they're not mm. given theatrical releases. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I really recommend to go and grab yeah. a booklet and have yeah. a look oh, I literally just typed in LGBT into the search <laughs> function and just booked every oh, film yeah. that yeah. I could see. That's great. Because uh, I, think, I think it's fascinating to see the sort of where the films are coming from as well, mm-hmm. like in terms yeah. of the countries that are making mm-hmm. the work. And often it's not Western mm-hmm. countries that are making the most subversive or like, yeah. you know, fresh queer mm-hmm. content, mm-hmm. I would argue. Well, yeah, they always mm-hmm. say like out of oppression can come the best art. Absolutely. Yeah. And absolutely. so some of the countries probably that are, that are not, yeah, going through the the great rights yeah. movements that we're going, but I think you will find that stuff. we are we are making like a like say Brokeback Mountain for instance, even though it's like kind of twenty years ago. Is that you, twenty fucking years ago? Yeah, two thousand one. I think. Are you serious? Yeah. yeah. Oh god, I'm old. <laughs> I, still I went to the not, movies to not, see that. I haven't seen I'm it. So sorry. I saw it when. Oh my god, I'm so old. <laughs> sorry. Yeah, yeah, I guess what I was gonna say is like it's a period piece because you have the high stakes that you yeah. need to tell mm-hmm. that story in America at that yeah, time. Yeah, true. Yeah, and then I think as as we, I mean, America's fucked, but I. As we get more progressive, there are less stakes, mm-hmm. I think, to have an out and open relationship, possibly, between, mm-hmm. at least between like two literal models yeah. know, <laughs> um, who are dressed as cowboys. Mm-hmm. So I think I think you do start to find that this, this insanely um, exciting work is coming from places yeah. where there is still a lot of oppression mm-hmm. and, and, you know, 
lines between people. Yeah. Huh. Did you see Tangerine? No, the, I, oh, I should have. <laughs> yeah. So Tangerine yeah. is this incredible indie film that was shot, I think, entirely on iPhone. It was, yeah. On iPhone? Uh, yeah. And it just is the classic one night in the life mm. of okay. um, a trans sex worker. Yeah. Mm. That, to me, is such a central queer cinema yeah. viewing because it's like a little rough around the edges, mm. but it's portraying literally like mm. what is happening out mm. in the mm. world right now. Yeah. And I think my disappointment with the tropes and mm-hmm. the stories is that I understand historically that mm. there was an important place for that mm-hmm. and for those stories. And we have told those stories and that they're, they're available and mm. queer people will seek out media. Absolutely. Yeah. We, oh, we can oh, see God, like, I remember as a kid, highest... like staying up watching SBS just in the hope yeah, of getting say, something so... that... I remember I have could some be in a different language, and you would just like I, sit there and watch it. At still have a yeah, twelve yeah, years old, yeah, you know? yeah have yeah. a wank oh, and just. Of oh wow! Um, <laughs> now I was going to say one of my first memories, like off moving to Australia, I was living with my grandparents in Cairns. Mm. I didn't really have many friends at the time, and like on the weekends, I'd stay up and watch SBS, and I didn't even know there were queer films at the mm-hmm. time, and I'd just be watching these really beautiful foreign movies, mm. and I thought mm. like the settings of them were really beautiful, and then all of a sudden there would be like two guys making mm. out, I'm like oh my god, I shouldn't be watching this, mm. but it was just this really nice thing, and it was Exciting. just like me. Thing. Alone, everyone's asleep. I was just like, mm. no one knew, and so, so you have, the, you'd have the volume down really low, and yeah, you'd have really your, low, your, your yeah. like next yeah. to the speaker. It didn't of the TV. I just had those yellow subtitles. At the yeah, bottom, true, so yeah. I just follow it really easily. But you couldn't hear them. Fuck. Oh yeah. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> just a bit, but to uh, this day, he still doesn't make sounds. When yeah. He no, I don't, I'm dead silent. <laughs> <laughs> he, it's actually very true. He lies very still and doesn't make any sounds. It's alarming. Surprise. Yeah, maybe that's why I like. I am refining my taste in. Uh, queer film now like mm. I, I'm the only one here who does like Love, Simon but that was because I did like that it was just kind of a more it's mainstream your introduction to it yeah, 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 that, yeah. that was what like, and my... again that's maybe why it's important is if that yeah. is your introduction to it yeah, and you go agreed. exploring agreed. more yeah, stuff afterwards exactly that's great. right and I, I just like that it was a more mainstream yeah. thing that everyone could see and I didn't have to feel like ashamed like I was growing mm. I was just going to go watch kind of like a teen movie in the yeah. cinema yeah, and absolutely. I was accepted for that also beautiful Keenan Lonsdale our, Love our him. Keenan Lonsdale oh from Australia God. so beautiful national treasure yeah absolutely we should definitely get him on the show um, Can I co-host then? Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Weirdly today, I remembered another movie watching that I watched, sorry, growing up. And mm. it really stuck to me, but I didn't really realize it was a queer film at the time. But a movie called Running With Scissors. Is any, that it's a, really it's familiar. A, it's a memoir um, of Augustine Burroughs. And it was, I think, oh, Ryan yeah. Murphy's first film. Oh, wow. But it has like Great. a lot of famous people. It has um, Chenoweth, what's her name? Uh, Christian Chris Chenoweth. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it has... I think I've read that book. Yeah, it's mm. like really good. And then like the kid is gay in it and then his mum has like she's a struggling poet but she's like has all these mental issues and she lets her therapist adopt him and he gets absorbed mm. into this like really crazy family I think Gwyneth Paltrow's in it Evan Rachel Wood's in it great, but um, great. yeah and he starts dating a much older guy and it's just a really bizarre weird movie and yeah. then his mum eventually ends up having multiple relationships with other women mm-hmm. but it's completely like seen really normal mm. for some reason. can you please watch Party Monster yes I feel like it reminds me a lot of some of your friends yeah <laughs> okay yeah. I don't know how to take that yet but I will get back to you with my Defense. The main storyline is about like a murderer, oh, drug, yes, addict, many drug murder dealer friends. thing. But I, you, I just feel like you're really <laughs> many like, murderer party scene. Um, oh, I remember we used to have a tradition of watching like really weird, fucked up movies on Christmas don't Day. Watch, okay, well, don't watch no. Party Monster on Christmas Day. It's a bit depressing. But, um, <laughs> so we'd either watch like a horror movie or something weird on Christmas Day. Yeah, and we watched this one called The Short Bus. Oh, um, yeah. um, Short that was I. It was very long ago, that. but I just remember a lady uh, had like a vibrating egg stuck inside her. Yeah, no, it's like super queer and full of like actual sex. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was an yeah. awkward one. That's the same director as Hedwig and the Angry Right. Inch. Yeah, I think that one's you for rewatch as well. Mm. <laughs> Can I also mention my one last complaint about <laughs> queer cinema? Yes. I just want to put it. it out there because I feel like I need to get it off my chest. Is that I also kind of hate this weird trope where if you're making queer cinema or a quote-unquote gay film Mm. that there has to be like a ton of Mm. gay sex Mm. in it or explicit gay sex Mm. and a few years ago i have no complaints about that (laughs) i i just find it so unnecessary to get it into a certain category Mm. i saw a film a few years ago which was an independent gay film if you took the explicit gay sex scenes mm. out of that mm. film, would it? Would it would literally yeah. just be a murder mystery. Oh, right. <laughs> like it had no yeah. correlation. Yeah. And it was also very bizarre because it was set in a very small mm. country town of maybe, you know, mm. a population of 50, but there was at least 20 gay men 
like young yeah. twinks oh living yeah. in this rural town. It's what fun. specifically is this film called? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I know, I know, you don't like Call Me by Your Name, Luke, but I know that movie. A lot of people were upset that they didn't show the sex. I think in that movie, right? But like, I, I don't. To be honest, don't really have a problem with it. I don't think it was impacting mm. the story. Like, just yeah. beautiful setting, and you know what I, happened. I, I, but I, I don't have think a I lot of thoughts see. on this topic. Yeah, okay. Uh, I definitely think the first thing is I think when we grow up we yeah. are so obsessively hungry for like mm. uh not just I- imagery that reflects back to us like our own desires but mm-hmm. also like educationally we are like how the fuck do i yes. perform sex <laughs> you fuck I'm a not, peach I, but, but, <laughs> exactly which i yeah i yeah. highly recommend <laughs> um but i think also i in the film that i just made as you've seen there's there's a sort of shower scene yeah. moment mm. and it became this uh insane conversation actually about Mm. why it needed to be in the film and also i had this desire to show like an alternative version of like what two gay Mm. men can do Mm -hmm. yeah sexually what i also liked about that scene so if if you i don't want to give anything away but just to explain the scene a little bit (laughs) is um, the couple that are on this weekend away uh in the shower one's jerking off while the other one's sort of kissing the neck of the other one um, what I liked about it, it was a much more realistic. Like you see yeah, the sex scenes yeah. in the shower, and I think you can't fuck in the shower like Absolutely. that. Like it's so hard to yeah. fuck in the shower. And also, when you're on a weekend away, you've probably <laughs> fucked twenty times by the time you actually get into the shower. That's <laughs> yeah, yeah. so why you're having the shower. You do, yeah, the last thing you want to do is actually have full blown anal in the shower. <laughs> oh boy! And there's quite often you get in the shower after you've had like a. 12 hour session and just jerk off hours <laughs> yeah oh god yeah. <laughs> do you want to go get a glass of water hours outside come on <laughs> um, you know when you've had like a really long session you get in the shower yeah. you actually do just want to have like a jerk off or someone's kissing your yeah. neck and you might not even come it's just sort of like a bit of fun to do it yeah, yeah. I found that very realistic and quite mm, thank you. lovely thank you so, yeah well, and I, I think I was really keen to show I think I just feel this insane pressure to mm. have sex that looks like porn yeah uh, in my actual life mm. and it never does you no. know I've tried to have sex in the shower and I like slid out of the shower. Yeah. It's just gone. Things hurt. Yeah. The lube yeah. always off. results in injury. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And, so- and shampoo does not make a good lube. Yeah. There's <laughs> bubbles everywhere. No, yeah. let's be honest. We've all done it though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh God, I have substituted <laughs> yeah. so many different things. Oh, that yeah. should be a topic. Substitutes. <laughs> um, one more thing I'd really like to talk about mm. is whilst we don't want queer cinema to merge into mainstream uh, cinema completely and lose our identity in it, mm. I do think it is exciting that we are starting to see authentic queer characters in mainstream Mm. stuff. Mm. I think a lot of it's owed to um, streaming platforms like Netflix because they are able to tailor um, things as mainstream as Sabrina was. I thought that that, that her cousin Mm. character was like a beautiful, he was sort of an all sexual kind of character that was sort of subtly written in there and it wasn't, a huge thing. Yeah. I messaged you guys the other day when I was watching mm. and it's so bizarre that I'm bringing oh, this up. Yeah. Like, Rocco's Modern Life, the cartoon from the night. Have yeah. you watched the special I've, that they no, just did? I haven't, did? but I've heard about it. I was reading I didn't. I hadn't read anything about it, yeah. watched oh, wow. it, and one of the characters from the original cartoon, so it was a kid's cartoon 20 yeah. years ago, more, and they've done this special on Netflix, and one of the characters has now come out as trans mm-hmm. in a kid's cartoon. Wow. And it was very authentic and it didn't feel like they were trying to milk something or anything like that. Mm. They were just like, let's, that's the real world now. So let's yeah. put it in there. That's great. Um, I do think it's, whilst we want to still have our own genre of queer cinema, it mm. is exciting that we're starting to see more authentic mm-hmm. characters being written into yeah, I agree. the I mainstream. Agree. Wasn't it like Hey Arnold, they had the two, the maths teacher got married to him? Oh, that, was that Hey Arnold? No, was it? No, no, that was hey, uh, not, not Hey Arnold. Arthur. Um, hey, Arthur, 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 Arthur yeah. yeah and look, right. that's probably not quite as authentic because yeah. it's written for kids. So it was a little bit like, but it's still really important yeah, yeah. that yeah. characters like that yeah. are being written I think um, Jessica Jones as well, season yeah. three, mm. just it's like scene three, there's just uh, like a South Asian trans woman working yeah. in her office, no explanation. Yeah, they don't have like, I like when they don't have her. to feel like a big spotlight. Oh, no, yeah. like I, I was like, wait, what's going on? This is amazing. I was watching yeah. with my mom and was like, who's this character? What's she mm. doing? And then yeah. she just like exists in the show and mm. her narrative has nothing to do with her That's identity great. in yeah. any way. I got so excited. It almost made me kind of emotional. Yeah. I, got, I actually like cried this. watching yeah. um, yeah. Rocco's I mean, Modern Life. So, it's not what I was expecting. It's also so genre. Like we are so often excluded from genre. And if we're in genre, it's like this weird token, like vampire, lesbian. And you're like, no, that's yuck too. So it's really exciting to start seeing people putting us in work that is yeah. much more exciting and mm. heightened, you know? Absolutely. Yeah.
So we have a fan suggested topic, I guess, in a way. Um, we had a listener oh. write in to us about their experience being bullied. Mm -hmm. And I know in the past we've spoken about our experiences growing up and our childhood and school and some of the traumatic things we've gone through, but we haven't really ever spoken about being bullied in our adult lives. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like in workspaces, in with our like, friends, in gay environments. Yeah. I thought podcasts. It's, it's, podcasts especially. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it, it is still a big thing in our lives and we go through it a lot. It's absolutely... Um, a huge thing. It's actually surprising that we haven't talked about it. Yeah. yeah. I know I definitely have. In hindsight, I was like, oh, yeah, I was pretty bad, actually. Yeah. Back when I worked in hospitality, mm -hmm. like, years ago, I worked for a small, like, Italian restaurant. It was, like, a family-owned one. I think the husband worked in the kitchen, and then the wife ran the front of the house. And she was such a monster to me. She mm -hmm. was so mean mm -hmm. all the time. And very inconsistent literally once she wouldn't let me leave oh she kept me back late yeah and then i missed my last bus and i had to walk home in a thunderstorm mm. at 10 o'clock at night mm. so do yeah you do you feel like there was any connection to that in your sexuality uh, you know i think it's weird because I, d I don't have many memories of being bullied at school and i feel like i didn't really show my gayness at school mm. or and i wasn't comfortable with it so it was always being hidden and then in my adult life, I guess maybe I've been slowly becoming more comfortable with it, so yeah. showing it to more people and people have maybe picked up on that. Mm. I know when I eventually got really upset and I was like, I can't do this anymore, like the abuse. Um, and my brother suggested that I get a job where he was working at the time, which is David Jones, a big department store mm -hmm. in Australia. And I gave her my, I like psyched up the courage, gave her my two weeks notice, even though I think I was casual, I could have literally left on the day, but mm. I was like doing the nice thing, mm. two weeks. And then I remember she was just making all these like sneery comments about how like, oh, I yeah, can just imagine nasty. you spritzing perfume at the, right. like didn't even say, yeah. tell her what my role was, yeah. actually like selling electronics. Mm. But um, she was making weird snide little comments, spritz like perfume spritzing perfume <laughs> at people walking by and just like making me like really uncomfortable. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. It's, it, bullying in the, as adult is prolific like it, yeah. it, it is so common it's happening all the time and mm. we don't really acknowledge it and and perhaps as gay men I, I can't mm. talk for other members of the LGBT community but I assume it's probably very similar mm. maybe we turn a blind eye to it because we are so used to it from yeah. childhood and that sort of thing and we are used to sort of being on the outskirts mm -hmm. of mainstream society that we just sort of feel like that's part and parcel mm -hmm. of, of being yeah. gay men I would hypothesize also that you grow up trying to please and trying to yeah. accommodate people's uncomfortability with your sexuality mm -hmm. in the first place so when things aren't going well it's not maybe your f I mean this is me personally yeah. it's not my first reaction to call something out yeah. if it's directed at me I usually will double down on my accommodating niceness because yeah. I'm like you must like me please mm -hmm. and then therefore endure that. this stuff mm -hmm. much yeah. longer than it needs to go on I feel like often when it, when it's heterosexual on mm -hmm. gay bullying hot. So, oh, yeah hot no when it's sort of um, and, it's, and it's definitely something I have experienced in the workplace both in my various day jobs and, and also working mm. um, in entertainment as well mm -hmm. and I think this is a hangover but we've talked yeah. about it before of this um, preconceived ideas that people have always had about gay men about mm. that we don't live fulfilling lives and mm. we don't have we don't contribute um, we sort of are the camp sort of fun mm. sidekick but we're never really realistically considered and it's a very passive aggressive form yeah. of bullying Mm. But it's never, we're never really considered seriously for, you know, mm. a role or even from family members and friends, you know, yeah. they don't really rely on us because we're, we're sort of the, mm. you know, we're the fun ones that drink and party and yeah, that sort yeah. of stuff. Yeah, and, you that, know, we're good yeah, for a life. role to fill. Yeah, like, but we yeah. won't ask them to, to do something important or serious. Yeah. And then there's also gay on, on gay bullying Clicky, as well, which is very, yeah. yeah. And that's, mm. that's even scene. more sort of complicated, I guess, possibly yeah. comes from that, you know, that saying hurt people, hurt people. Mm -hmm. Maybe it does go back to that high school thing. You know, a lot of us yeah. didn't get the opportunity to develop socially um, the same way that everybody else did in school mm -hmm. and so you sort of s often see guys when they finally get a chance to join the gay scene acting like they're in grade five yeah. picking on yeah. each other and sort of trying yeah. to be part of the cool clique and that sort of thing and and some of us grow out of it and look I'll, I'll be honest like I probably was part of that when I was yeah. younger I hope that I've grown out of it by now but mm -hmm. you, you sort haven't. of see people that some people well actually in a way you're right though because yeah. like you know even at this podcast we we, yeah. we, we we rag on each other a little bit and that's quite fun RuPaul's yeah. Drag Race our most celebrated yeah. queer culture show is yeah. uh, you know the, the best quotes of the season are always mm. someone bullying the other one like, and absolutely 
tongue in cheek. Devastating somebody. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and it's done tongue in cheek and stuff, but that's very much part of our culture. Yeah. And even yeah, like, yeah. to go back to queer cinema, the, the, the yeah. seminal Australian yeah. gay film is Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, yeah. and the entire script is is mm. Bernadette ragging on Adam for being a naive yeah. and twink, <laughs> Adam ragging on Bernadette for being uh, older yeah. and trans, and and both of them ragging on uh, on Tick mm. for for not being yeah. comfortable with his <laughs> yeah, sexuality. Yeah, yeah. It is very much yeah. part of gay culture. Yeah, yeah. and I, I think it has a. It, there's also a rich history to that sort of that insult humor as mm-hmm. well that we we all kind of yeah uh, and i know you guys have spoken about it on the podcast before as well that sort of you know sledging each other mm-hmm. i think what i find particularly in the workplace is that once you open that door to a, a say a straight man yeah um who thinks that that is how you that is yeah. your currency mm-hmm. i can say it the, yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, the door is open both ways yeah. and suddenly is... you're going have i set a trap by yeah this person yeah think or is that my okay? safety like is that my way yeah. of sort yeah. of laughing yeah. it off it's like, actually well, so like, true and maybe we yeah. do learn that like i, I know a lot of queer culture is about being self-deprecating Absolutely. a lot of drag culture is, is self-deprecating mm-hmm. and that sort of stuff and maybe that comes from like when we're growing mm-hmm. up you know you always make the joke about yourself first Absolutely. because then no one else totally. can do yes. it I agree and totally. once you start doing that in the workplace you're actually yeah. right I hadn't thought about that it, you sort of you're the character at work mm-hmm. where it's like wow well, you know I'm sure Tom's going out this weekend you know but I guess in a way that is sort of a form. But of I think to... I think I'm becoming more guarded with who I actually relax around in that way, you know, because yes. like, in effect I end up being quite disappointed mm-hmm. if somebody takes that and goes, "Oh, I can say this mm. word or I can do this to mm. you," and I end up going, "Well, actually, you can't, and mm. you should know the, the yeah. nuance here." You need which to know is that, the line, you know, mm, yeah. exactly. But mm. it's hard to have that conversation socially, or like yeah. it happened to me at dinner recently. Somebody ordered an uh, affogato, and uh, you know, yeah. I always read it out loud as a, a fagato because yeah. I think it's funny and that's whatever it's a lol yeah, um, yeah. and then it sort of it got thrown around the table a little mm. bit and suddenly there was people who aren't in the queer community saying it yeah and, then it's uncomfortable you know, having yeah. a laugh and then I started kind of seizing up and was like actually fuck like, like I really fucked up like, yeah and you I feel like but it shouldn't be that it shouldn't be I mean, yeah. you are allowed yeah. to say it and it should, doesn't automatically yeah. mean that you're giving a pass for everyone else correct, to use yeah. correct. Kind of I think it's just that there's a yeah I don't know there's mm. an interesting no, I totally get what you mean yeah I think there's a difference between reading and bullying. Bullying. Do you know the difference? And, yeah, because I've spent a lot of years bullying. <laughs> yeah, you're doing it right now. Yeah, and I think there's a systematic and an intent that isn't present when reading. Mm-hmm. You know, bullying, especially in the workplace, it can be subconscious, but an mm. intent to place someone at a lower level yeah. or like to make moves, them, yeah. yeah, a power move or to purposefully make them feel uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. In a certain circumstance, Mm. I worked in an office like years and years ago where I think they just never matured out of the 90s. So calling something gay was really just just like part of the vernacular. Like, like, oh, this is so gay. I got an email at five o'clock. And so it got to a certain point where I stood up and this is in an open plan Mm -hmm. office space. There were, I think, maybe 30 of us Mm -hmm. in the room. And I said, guys, there's a gay person. And I was the only gay person working there. Mm -hmm. So there's a gay person in the room. Yeah. And gay (laughs) gay is not a synonym Mm. for Mm. dumb or bad. Yeah, good Good on you. It's it's Mm -hmm. my sexuality. Mm. Unfortunately, things have only improved for about two weeks before it went. Slipped back back into that. And I realized I'm not going to fight this battle. Mm. I don't have the energy. It's Mm -hmm. not my place these are adults yeah. mm. who should know better yeah. i just need a different environment yeah to um work in in a weird way i i did feel uncomfortable and almost bullied out of mm-hmm. that yeah, totally workspace which is different to the bullying mm. or the reading that yeah. happens here which yeah, is yeah to a degree yeah, yeah, is yeah, a yeah. Way but I, yeah i feel like it's sort into. of a, a spectrum i guess yeah. um and, and by opening yourself mm. up and sort mm-hmm. of doing the reads on yourself or whatever it can give people the feeling that they're allowed to yeah, to, yeah and then you're like too much and they think <laughs> they're being funny but they're actually yeah sometimes yeah. sometimes i still do it sometimes if i'm in a heterosexual space mm. and like i drop something i'll be like oh my god that's so gay mm. and i'll see <laughs> like damn it I'm and I'll, I'll see the straight people freeze up because oh, they're like, they're like oh we're not we're not allowed to yeah. say that anymore. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I was talking to one of my colleagues about it specifically the other day, and I said, I do it because I want them to know I remember yeah. that oh. they grew up yeah, right. using yeah. that word. Yeah. And it's only oh. since they got 
quote unquote woke mm. five or so years ago that that isn't cool. Yeah. But I ain't forgotten. <laughs> yeah. But I, do, I think you're hitting a, like a brand of humor that I like revel in, which yeah. is yeah. to like uh, like weaponize that sort of stuff mm. against Absolutely. people, make them uncomfortable. <laughs> you know, a lot of my job is schmoozing in a foyer mm. or something, mm. which makes me crazy. Yep. And so I, a lot of the time I'm like, who can I make really uncomfortable? Mm. And I, I usually end up just kind of throwing stuff like that around. Probably yeah. it works against me, but anyway, <laughs> yeah. it is definitely a brand. I was yes. going to say, I, I like the film industry is, if you didn't know this, which you probably do, is populated by like alpha mm. men mm. and is famously exclusionary against people like us. And I've found, I had a specific experience about two years ago directing a film, my first feature film, where we had the a first AD come on board and a first AD is the assistant director and he basically just yells mm. at everyone and tells them what to do. That's the traditionally mm. the role. And, and yeah, and he was you know, ex-military, 40 years old, came onto this super queer film set uh, that's an autobiographical film about my mom's and meant a lot to me and all Mm. of this stuff. And I could just tell straight away that he was never going to listen to me. He just didn't want to hear what I had to say. And it's so, we're constantly navigating that. I mean, we fired him after three days because he made so many people cry. Um, And he second-guessed everything I said and all Mm. of this. And and I think it's particularly intense in mm, this yeah. industry. Yeah. When I was about 17, I uh, dad got me a job of working as a brickies laborer on <laughs> my uncle's wow. building site. Yeah. Super hard. And I think it was just definitely dad trying to sort of straighten me out a little bit. <laughs> he said, oh, you know, because I was like, oh, I need some money to buy stuff. You know, no. And he was like, <laughs> well, here are yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I need a new wig, dad. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, wow. And, uh, and I bullied all the brickies. And yeah. uh, no. Uh, <laughs> it's like twist. <laughs> yeah. In drag. Yeah. I rocked up in a full sequin gown for the first <laughs> And uh, no, but I I went to this thing and it was like fully grown men working on a construction site, brickies, mm. and uh, and I was there to be the shit kicker. They were talking about overtly homophobic stuff, oh, and I was gosh. camp, and it was yeah. clearly being done like to make me feel really events. uncomfortable about bashing faggots and that wow. sort of stuff, like really aggressive stuff to yeah. the point where That's after scary. I was supposed to do it for the whole summer holidays, yeah. I lasted three days and was like, I, Dad, I can't go back, like, yeah. you know, and didn't go back. And literally since then, I've never worked in it. Like, I've always tried to find a job, you know, gay bars, mm. retail, Supre. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then, you know- in theatre yeah. yeah. as I got older and that sort of stuff. Yeah. And I think it's because of that experience of... Yeah. Uh, and I mean, imagine like as an adult now thinking of bullying a 17-year-old yeah, totally. on a construction yeah. site totally. when your uncle is the... His uncle yeah. is the boss having the balls What a big man that. you must feel. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. What like what the fuck made you feel... Yeah. Like you had to yeah. do that, yeah. I feel I'm so sorry. lucky now that my work environment is yeah. so celebrated to be gay because mm. there are quite a few queer people that work in mm. our company. My boss is like the biggest ally I know, and mm. she's so encouraging. And like you just know, like if there was any kind of issue, she would like mm. a million percent have your back. Mm. You're also white. I have always. I have always. You never point that out. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, love that. I have also <laughs> seen the reverse sort of situation though, where you mm. might have a predominantly gay, especially when I was working in retail in my yeah. early 20s, gay male environment where, mm. you know, heterosexual women or lesbian women might be um, bullied yeah. as well for not being part of a clique that was sort of yeah. the cool part, yeah. which is a huge issue too. And in reverse, I'd also say that I've been bullied by a lot of heterosexual women mm. uh, yeah, absolutely. in jobs yeah. as well. Yeah. And, oh, you yeah. know. I think as human beings, we try to like replicate things that are known to us. I think that's why a lot of these high school behaviors, like we've thrown away the word, it feels like high school or it feels yeah. like a teenage mm. thing, is because I th- I think when we become adults, I think officers often just become high school 2.0 mm. for a lot of people. Mm. The same sort of cliques and the same sort of social rules come into play really quickly when you put a group of people in to a space and they have to interact with each other yep. every day. They revert to what they know. Mm-hmm. And for gay people, that is a minor role mm. or a hidden role. Mm. And for some people, it's an alpha role. It's just, I think, a shitty part of human nature that we yeah. tend to do that. Yeah, I think the topic and all of the examples are so broad that it shows yeah. that bullying is not this kind of like very specific thing that are very yeah, specific so many different of, types of bullying. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that it's not we are all picturing the straight man you yeah. know the white straight man yeah. doing yeah. this but it comes in so many different forms I, I think it's really important to also think about how we react to bullying and what we can do when we see bullying mm. so my story wasn't a very good example because I acted and it didn't have it any didn't, yeah. <laughs> it didn't have any <laughs> effect but I think something that's really important that I saw on 
Twitter the other day is the ripple effect of when other people see someone stand up mm. to bullying mm. is that it creates an atmosphere that it's okay. That pussy, pu- oh sorry, that pussy. Yeah, so that wow. pussy stood up. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, that person stood up to a bully. And they're still alive. The world hasn't ended mm. and they were heard. It may not have like had mm. the huge f- change effect they wanted, but it means it's okay for me to then do that when I feel mm. uncomfortable. And so I've always kind of thought that if I'm ever in that workplace again, even though it didn't play out the way I, I wanted it to, it's not necessarily going to stop me from doing Trying that again. again. Yeah, agreed. Because there could be someone else in that workplace. But I think also our protocols are changing. Like, mm. like I, I, I would say most workplaces now have a person you can mm. literally go to or Yeah, unfortunately at my to. workplace, that's me. <laughs> so <laughs> That's great. I would come to you with my problems. Yeah. Totally. I have a memory of my ex-boyfriend. His mom hated me. Oh, like, right. And it was just subtle things I could never say anything about because mm. I couldn't go up against mm. his mom. That's um, a power move. No, you've got to take the mum yeah, down. Yeah, take it down. <laughs> but she, I think she was like a, a born-again Christian, oh, like, right. from America, Southern Belle, like, and mm. he came out to his mum while I was dating him, so I feel like right. she always blamed me, even though making he was gay. clearly gay, <laughs> like, yeah. not out to the blind and deaf. But I mean, I think that goes sort of goes back to that subtle kind of bullying. Yeah, it's very... Um, just, like, little jeers and Yeah, or even just not, and, not, just not thinking of you as being at the same... So, for me, like, I'm from... my Both my parents are from very big Catholic families and I do definitely have extended family members who don't really want to know what's Mm. going on in my life and they don't really take me seriously like they'll say to my brothers oh how's the family how's the kids how's the job how's that sort of stuff and they'll say to me oh oh, hey Tom how you going like they're not interested in because they're not they don't want to know about my life and whilst it doesn't sound like it's it's bullying like prodding you in the chest and saying oh you're dumb it's it's sort of a form where it's like oh I don't really consider you to be living um, the equal kind of life that us heterosexual yeah. people are living so yeah I definitely have experienced it from, from yeah. family members but it's not as direct mm. I mean besides my grandmother <laughs> de- 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 my dead grandmother telling my mum that it's her fault that I'm gay and that Ooh. she influenced the whole thing aside from that there's never <laughs> been anything that, direct yeah. she's dead now I can say <laughs> so we're at the end of the show uh, of course we do have our after show if uh, if you are oh. a Patreon member if you want to sign up at patreon.com slash gaysrevoltingpod. We're going to talk about gay beats. Woo! I'm kind been of it. shocked that we've been doing this podcast for over a year yeah. and have not talked about gay I'm beats so specifically. No, we've talked about a bit of public sex and stuff, but okay. not gay beats as a specific topic. I want yeah. to talk about the history of gay beats. Right. Yeah, yeah. I want to talk we'll about the importance <laughs> that we have of gay beats in our culture. Yeah. I want to talk yeah. about where to find gay beats. I heard that this podcast was a gay beat. Well, yeah, actually, like, we're as, as soon as we beat. finish, we yeah. turn off the lights and uh, take off our pants. So, there's a lock on that door. <laughs> so if you do want to, uh, if we want to listen to that, uh, sign up yeah. for our Patreon. But before awesome. we do that, uh, Thomas, mm. thanks so much for coming Thank along. You're so going to join us for the after show. Absolutely. Very excited to hear your me. opinion on gay beats <laughs> oh, yeah. and all the experience <laughs> you have. Yes, yeah, great. Uh, if people want to follow you on socials, where yeah. can they find that? Uh, I'm at Thomas Wilson White on Instagram. Um, and a quick shout out to the Growing Up Queer in Australia book that's just come out. I highly recommend everyone get a copy. It's fantastic. Beautiful. And you've got a piece in there as well. I do have a piece in How there. Exciting. Apologies to my dad who he'll never read it. So it's well thanks for joining us boys yeah, love you to see yeah. you again and don't forget to follow our socials at gays revolting pod on instagram or join our closed facebook group the gays are revolting and if anyone's seen my ipod classic it's uh, 120 gigabytes it's black <laughs> yeah i left it at a tram stop about two weeks oh, ago no. do you know which one no okay cool <laughs> thank <laughs> you <No. laughs> thanks so much everybody bye guys. bye, bye. bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.